Today's show is sponsored by Miracle Made. And oh my God, you guys, you know that I love a luxurious set of sheets. And I now have such a set of sheets because of a Miracle Made. They are bedding that has been inspired by NASA. They've got silver-infused fabrics that actually make temperature regulating a thing. Uh, so you're not like getting too hot or too cold or whatever, you know, the whole thing that happens with your body's temperature losing its mind. Miracle Made helps with that. One of the little things that my husband particularly loves about Miracle Made is that it like doesn't have as much bacteria as regular sheets because of it's infused with this silver that prevents up to 99.7% of bacterial growth. So it leaves the sheets cleaner for longer. And then the thing for my husband is that it doesn't give him acne, which is like an issue for some people. But more than all of that, it's just luxuriously comfortable and delightful. And it has that cooling feeling while also being cozy. Very hard to achieve those two things at the same time. I mean, miracle made. Come on, well done. So here's what I think you should do. I think you should go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation and buy some sheets today. And if you order today, you can save 40% off. Use the promo code fake the nation at the checkout and you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. So there's just a lot of savings here, folks. Order today, you'll get 40% off. Use the promo code fake the nation. Go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation. And Miracle's so confident in their product, it's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you're not 100% satisfied, which I don't see happening, um, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation and use the code fake the nation to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash fake the nation to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this episode. This is a HeadGum Podcast. Fake the Nation, episode 381. Hello, hello. Uh, this is Fake the Nation, where we talk about news, we talk about culture, and where we carefully remove pieces of candy from our children's hall. Um, so it's not to be detected. So I still think they have a lot of candy in there, but they're slowly losing pieces mysteriously in the mouths of their parents. I am your host, Nagin Farsad. And I have been just like very discreetly stealing pieces of candy from my daughter. Um, and I'm doing it in the name of her health, okay? It's, uh, I'm being a good parent um, and teaching her that in some occasions stealing is right. Uh, today, um, we are gonna talk about where you should absolutely not take someone on a first date. We're also gonna get into the political hodgepodge that is uh, the current state of the political climate. We'll also, and finally, talk about which countries are the most promiscuous. I mean, this is the kind of data I live for. Uh, folks, we have such a phenomenal uh, panel for you today. I can't even express how excited I am by this panel. And I'm what they call slightly under the weather. So, like, this is a, this is a, an, an especially fantastic panel for how I'm feeling because they can just, I can listen to them talk for hours and I know you can too. Um, joining, first up we have for the one gajillionth time, uh, he is a comedian, he is a writer, he's a producer. You've seen him in stages around the country. Um, he is the wonderful Benari Lee Poulton. Hey, Benari. Hey, so great to be back um, for the one gajillionth time. I just got my card punched, so I think the next podcast is free. Yeah. <laughs> um, and folks, you get also on the show today... Um, I was just with him at the Kennedy Center. We rarely get to be in the same room together, um, but we got to be in um, uh, the the August Kennedy Center together just two weeks ago. Um, he because and I'll tell you why because he does gigs like that, just fancy lo locations, um, fancy televisions, fancy. He writes books. 
Uh, he's a comedian of the first order. He is the wonderful Corey Ryan Forrester. Hey, Corey. Hey, Nagin. Have you entertained the thought that perhaps you're sick because you ate too much of your children's candy? And I ask because <laughs> I've been told by the media that often people slip poison and drugs in them. So perhaps you should be looking to the oh. Tootsie Pop for your illness. Yeah, you got Wait. you got fentanyl. That's right. Oh my god. <laughs> You're having it's, withdrawals right now. Oh my god, that's crazy. First of all, do you guys remember I think when we were kids there was like a thing that they were putting razor blades. Razor yeah. blades. There was always razor blades. Was that was that, is that like for all time there was razor blades in apples or, or like wait, they were in well, Wait, we we've never addressed the idea that anyone Gives out apples. apples. Yes. Okay, We're okay, not gonna, okay, sorry. If, yeah, if you want so, a kid to eat a razor yeah. blade, don't put it in an apple. <laughs> right. That shit's so gotta go I, in a Mars bar is, or something. Is there, right. is there, is, am I crazy that there's a, there's some memory in my mind that razor blades were in apples, but that's no, not. No, that was, a, we were told that. Yes, like, that's a what lot. we were told. Yeah, oh, okay, okay, okay. And that's why children do not eat fruits or vegetables. Okay, exactly. they're just out of safety. Yes, out of safety. Okay, that makes a I'm, lot of sense. Yeah, I'm pretty sure like the Nestle Corporation put that rumor out to steer kids towards chocolate. And like, you know what? Watch it out works. For, yeah. It's yeah, gotta, be, it's gotta be wrapped. <laughs> in my, my community, there was a fellow uh, who we weren't allowed to go to his house to trick or treat because it was rumored that he put cyanide capsules in the kale smoothies that he uh, passed out <laughs> there. <laughs> That's right. And um, the, all the gyms are haunted with can the I ghosts. Say, well, of- can I give you guys like a cute little detail about New York City, which is that, you know, for people who don't know, in New York City, we trick or treat at storefronts. I mean, there's some neighborhoods mm-hmm. where they're like you could trick or treat in front of a t- like at a townhouse or whatever. But like by and large, kids are treated, and then you you can trick or treat in a building. Like so, go door to door in an apartment right. building. But um, a, I'd say a very large part of people just trick or treat at storefronts, and we stopped by the 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 Chinese takeout joint, and they gave us fortune cookies, there and I go. thought that was so perfect. My daughter was like, "What's this? She's never seen it. She's four, right? So she's never seen a a fortune cookie before." And I was like, "You know what? I'm gonna explain that later." Um, and don't worry, just know that a cool thing just happened to you. Uh, probably less exciting than, you know, the Reese's peanut butter cups, but still it's cool. (laughs) It's a cool thing. Um, folks, before we get into the show, I just want to remind listeners that they can go to patreon.com slash Nagin Farsad to support the show for as little as $4 a month, $4 a month will get you, I don't know, like 25 fortune cookies. (laughs) So, so forego those twenty five fortune your your fortune cookie budget, um, and instead support Fake the Nation at patreon.com slash Nagin Farsad. And now let us get into it with topic number one. Okay, so um, a a forty year old uh, former military dude turned trucker turned to the internet to figure out what kind of first dates women want to go on. Um, and feeling he, a little attacked here. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, my opinions on dating are have in, in no way anything to do with the United States Army or reflect the opinions of the U.S. military, the government, coalition forces, or anyone real or imagined. Um, just throwing that out there. Just throwing that out there. He is. Uh, he was in the military, folks. So um, Benari knows. Benari knows this guy specifically. So now this guy took to the internet to figure out what kind of first dates women want to go on, and this is what he said. He said, "Quote: Women want great conversation. You want to feel excitement, and you want to learn. And that's not really asking for much." Now this all came about because of a viral TikTok video that showed a woman refusing to get out of a car when she realized that the date was taking her to a cheesecake factory so my first question for the both of you is what do you think of the cheesecake factory um i mean just heretofore what have you thought of it uh, and is it a legitimate first date spot i mean were you surprised by this woman's reaction I was not surprised by that woman's reaction because I know what maybe the rest of the world doesn't know, that women are equally, if not more, shallow than men when it comes to dating uh, in certain ways. But here's the thing. I used to have a big aversion to chain restaurants back when I was in my only go to micro brews and listen to vinyl phase. But listen, now in this economy, when you see a good deal, you got to take it. And if there's a chain restaurant, you know that like it can't be that bad because they made 40 
of them. You know what I'm saying? And as far as a first date goes, the Cheesecake Factory is basically the food court of dine-in restaurants. There's something for everyone. So instead of having to go, I wonder what this person's tastes are, you can take them to Cheesecake Factory where the menu is the size of a phone book. And, I mean, look, I think if you're a dude and you like the Cheesecake Factory, that's where you should take a woman. And if she is going to discount your relationship based purely on that, you did not need to be with this person anyways. I I think uh, going to the Cheesecake Factory is actually the equivalent of moving too fast. Uh, because that's not a first date. Yes. That's you've been married for seven that's fucking right. years, that's and right. I don't know where you want to go. You know what? We we're all just going to the Cheesecake Factory again. That's that's like you get out and you're like, oh shit! I've been in like that. You can't start at the Cheesecake Factory. You're gonna end up at yeah, the Cheesecake Factory. Guy t- I mean, Bonari, I cannot agree with you more. The Cheesecake Factory is where relationships go to feel stable. It's like the you like done, an IKEA. Yeah, yeah, you don't need to think anymore. You're just like, can we, should we just ironically go to the Cheesecake Factory yeah. while recognizing that we shouldn't be going there? But, like, occasionally I like a different slice of... By the way, do people ju- actually go for the cheesecake? I mean, is or it just sounds like the cheesecake <laughs> is secondary at this point. I don't know. I haven't... Honestly, I, if I think I went to one once in Las Vegas when I was in Las Vegas for three hours, like, ten years ago. But otherwise... More, more Nagin um, humble bragging. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Real, real brag there. Um, the Cheesecake Factory in Vegas. That's right, the best one. <laughs> um, but okay, so here's another one that I'm, I'm confused. I would like to hear your takes on. Um, another video went viral, or or a tweet went viral because um, a woman complained about a hinge date proposing to go to a bar too close to his apartment. Mm. Legit or nay, Corey? Well, uh, I being a white man, I know we often try to speak for women, but I can't and I shan't. Uh, I could I could understand why in this world on internet dating, why a woman would be a little reluctant to not want to get liquored up within walking distance to a stranger's home. I don't know how he pitched this to her. Like, it, it also seems like here's a guy who is not going to want to go out of his way for you. Like, hey, let's make this very convenient for me. You get dressed up. You come to me. I just walk downstairs. I mean, in a, I, I, it, realistically, it doesn't sound that bad, but you're already going into this date like, I don't know this guy, and he could be son of Sam. Yeah, the, 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 the move for, and again, this, that's like a third date move. Right. Yep. The bar close to you is like, you know what? Let's just go hang out at the bar. I know this great place near me, whatever. Cause then, you know, you've gotten to know each other. Then a little the bit. boning. Yeah. Then but the like, boning. <laughs> because that, you know, you're just throwing it out there casually of like that, that option's on the table. But for a first date, it's a real kind of, it's not just aggressive. Like Corey was saying, it's lazy. You're saying, I don't really want to go anywhere. I haven't broadened my horizons enough to know of anything beyond, you know, my local vicinity. Uh, you're not putting a good vibe out there, you know, trying the, the first date should should be something that's kind of like fun, but also neutral on neutral territory where no one has the the upper hand. Really. Yes. You know, and 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 any any decision can be made at any given moment. That's right. Just like the Georgia, Florida game. I agree. And also <laughs> I'm, I'm, back, I'm back to I'm back to agreeing with Benari in, on the fact that uh the going to a bar near your house seems like you don't do that on the first date for sure, but you definitely do that before you go to the Cheesecake Factory because now you've convinced me that you're right. I've never <laughs> been in a cheesecake. <laughs> like I've never been me and my wife have been in the Cheesecake Factory, and now that I think about it, every single person in that room was 100 percent already in a married, committed relationship. <laughs> no one was, no, you don't get to know somebody at the Cheesecake Factory. You reluctantly go to the Cheesecake Factory because nobody wants to make a decision. That's yeah, right. And yeah, you know right. too much about this person. Exactly. That's, you you know also, too much. I, lo- I also love, like, Benari is doing this like a like a historian with a timeline. Like, this is like, you know, first it's the second it's the bar that's close, third it's the... I'm not trying to rules of the game this shit, but, like, come on. There's some common sense things here where, like just as a human being operating in the world, like try and make the other, make the effort toward the yeah. other person. Can I say that as I, okay, I'm going to, I have exercised my female privilege. This is maybe the only privilege that I have had as a female, which is that 
I would, um, when I was online dating, I was really like, I, I would, I would be the one that emailed the dude. I would be the mm -hmm. one to be like, okay, cool. Let's go on a date. And then they would be like, oh, what did you have in mind? I'd be like, we're going to go to this one bar that I always go to on my first dates. It's going to be one hour long and then I will leave promptly after an hour, you know, and that <laughs> I will send you my notes after. I'll let you know if there's a, I'll, I'll let you know if there'll be a follow up. Email yeah. yeah. Here I, mean, for my I, assistant. I ran, the, <laughs> I ran the entire show like 100%. And the bar was close to my apartment, not because of boning reasons, just because for me, this was just like, get it in and get it out. It's a chore. Like I was like doing right. just errands. like your boning reasons. <laughs> <laughs> but I was just like, I just want to uh, saunter over to a bar real quick, figure out if I want to spend the rest of my life with this random guy and then, and then go back home, you know what I mean? Or go do a stand up set or whatever. Like I didn't want it to be inconvenient in any way. But I feel like that's totally appropriate from the woman's perspective. Right. Exactly. Like there's, I, I just feel like, in general, there's a lot more. It's a different a lot, rule book. There's yeah. a lot more. Yeah. a lot more risk that you're that you're entering into. That's right. With and this the, whole and proposition, this, by the way, yeah. And just just to be clear, this list is the dude's list for his heterosexual reality. Here's, um, here's what I really enjoyed about this article. Yeah. Was you could see in real time this dude experiencing what it's like to go to therapy. Like, yes. he, it's like, he's like, I was making these angry online YouTube videos or Facebook <laughs> videos that no one was watching. And then I asked for feedback. And when I engaged in women as human beings, I actually learned something. And now my like, it was incredible. I don't know. I don't know the exact amount of self-awareness, but like reading through it, he's like, yeah, now I, I found out women just want to be listened to and heard. <laughs> and it's like, it I don't know what wild. you were doing. I don't know what you were doing beforehand, man, but <laughs> like, I'm, I'm glad you got I was just going to take there. him to a ketamine bar and then go to my house and play video <laughs> games, but, you know. Apparently, just having, like, plastic and, and hardware lying around the back of your car and, like, ropes and stuff isn't a good, you know, sign to give women. So I stopped putting that in the back seat. you know. I'm just learning here. It was really, it was really adorable. His list, by the way, I'll just read the, a few choice ones that I thought were interesting in places you should absolutely not take your lady. Uh, on a first date, Cheesecake Factory, Applebee's, Chili's, obviously top the list. Um, the movies, for example, Your House, any fast food chain. The funny thing is he then goes on to list several fast food chains, but any fast food chain. Um, <laughs> church, the gym. By the way, who has taken their date That's to the gym? Insane. You are a crazy person. Um, and then the, the, and then he compiled a list of acceptable places. And I'm just going to run a couple of these by you guys. Um he on the list of acceptable places to take a first date. Now I can't. I'm, I'm a little like I. I might have some pushback on some of these as a lady that could be on on such a date. Top Golf, Dave and Buster, main yeah, event, hell yeah, which I don't even know what that is, and zip <laughs> what, what, what was that one? Main event? Have you? I don't know what that M is. Main event? No, I assume it's like a bar that has a bunch of like TVs and shit. If I had like to a, guess, is it like a sports bar? Pro probably. I, by the way, Dave and Buster's kind of covered this. I was gonna throw out. I think Putt Putt is a wonderful yes. first day. Okay. Yes. Uh, be, yes. Be, mini, mini golf, go karts, so anything that's is like Top Golf mini golf. No, it's no, it's basically so essentially top golf is sort of like the bowling of golf. Yeah. You have a la you have a lane and like instead of playing around you're hitting towards a target. So like even if you're not a big golfer, if you can just kind of smack the ball, it's kind of fun. But okay. like in my opinion, that's fair. that's fair. But in my opinion, you still like if you're not at all skilled at golf, it's not going to be fun to you whereas if you suck at bowling, you can still throw a ball down a lane. Right. And if you're and anyone can putt-putt and I think the putt-putt is actually very important for the woman because uh, you can learn exactly who a man is on the putt-putt course or at the go-kart track. And I say this coming from someone who went on a lot of putt-putt dates that did not result in a second date because of my behavior on the course. I used to bring my own putter. Oh, I would, wow. I would try to beat the shit out of them because I was like, oh, they want to be treated equal. And then go-karts, <laughs> dude, I would put eight-year-olds into the wall. I was a maniac. <laughs> so, like, I think for a woman, it's a nice public space where you can truly see the inner workings of a man yes um i and and miniature golf does make it onto this list um and uh also go painting 
the gun range also made it onto this list. Again, I just want to say for the record, never in a million years should anyone <laughs> invite me to the gun range. That is, I find yeah, and I, horrendous I do feel and like I hate some, it. I feel like some of the things that were listed, like the top golf or whatever, like they, it, it was, it, there was a, there's a competitive yeah. angle to yeah, some of these yeah, places yeah. where you're having friendly competition. And I think that that's, that can be a real tricky thing, like like Corey was saying, because you kind of, if you're a very competitive person, you you don't know how the other person takes it. That's right, right. And so I think like it's the if you're if you're so competitive that you can't even like just have fun on a first date doing a simple thing like bowling or playing golf. Yeah, um, you know that that kind of type A personality you know, shows that like, okay, you, you, you're very, you're very about yourself and, and not about like figuring out me or figuring out like what's going on here. So I think you got to do, if you're going to do something competitive, you got to be chill. That's it. You got to just yeah. be chill. And I, Agreed. I, I also want to say the three of us are stand up comedians. Stand comedy show ended up at number 19 on this list. And <laughs> I no, think that's, that's a terrible that's, idea. That's, that's awful, a terrible idea. idea. I don't know how that made it onto the list, but do not take a date to a comedy show. It's not a good idea if you're watching someone else do stand up. Nope. It's even worse if you're doing stand up oh, or they're God. doing stand up. Oh, yeah. yeah. Horrendous. And it doesn't give you an opportunity to chat. Exactly. That's why the movie's out, too. Like, I used to think, oh, movie's great, because in my brain it was like, well, for two hours you don't have to do any of the work. But then it's like, yeah, but you're not doing anything. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you don't do anything. The only way that the only way that it works is if you do movie and then go to dinner afterwards so that you can discuss right. the movie. Right, but then that's you not know a what first I mean? date. That's like a thousand Agreed. hours of a date. Agre- like, what do we do? Agreed, yeah. But no, Again, now we're in the, like, second to fifth date territory. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I'm not I'm not trying to discourage people from coming to comedy shows, especially mine, but for the love of God, don't go on a first date at a comedy show. Nothing yeah, can be gained. Don't do that. What, what I will say though is the only way that works is when you didn't know it was a first date. Um oh, like if you meet yeah, at the yeah, comedy yeah, show yeah. and like yeah. you have a fucking killer set. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, you're talking about from us as a performance. Uh, as a performer. Perform- yeah. the only, That's the true. Only, the only I've time I've ever seen yeah, yeah. successful is when you and or the other person. I mean, I met I, I met some uh, some women who uh, at, who just crushed it. And I'm like, I like her. Yeah, because exactly. <laughs> it's very attractive to see someone do well. Um, well, OK, folks, you let me know what what's on your list of absolutely do not take me to this on a first date or you should totally take me to this on a first date. I'm so curious to hear. Let's take a quick break, and when we are back, we'll get into the politics of it all. Today's show is sponsored by Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions. It monitors your spending. It helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. I have used Rocket Money. And you guys, honestly, I had no idea how many things I was subscribing to that I didn't want to be subscribing to. I think we all go into, we enter into subscriptions with a Pollyanna view that we're going to use as a subscription, even though it's a super obscure, you know, education app from Albania that teaches Russian math or whatever. And then you're like, I'm never going to use this. Why did I get it? I should remember to cancel it. And then you don't. And I know you guys are like me and I know you've done this to yourselves. And guess what? 75% of people have subscriptions that they've forgotten about. So we're all in this bucket. And I think paying for that stuff is so angering and Rocket Money is there to help. Because basically Rocket Money shows you, hey, look at this is what all the things you are subscribed to. But then here's the bigger thing. To unsubscribe, you don't have to go through the whole rigmarole. Rocket Money unsubscribes for you with a click of a button. It's so easy. The other thing Rocket Money did for me, which I was incredibly grateful for, was reduce the cost of one of my bills. It was my cable bill. Yes, I still have cable. Rocket Money has over 5 million users that have saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. I mean, that 
exact tracks for me and for the number of things I was paying for that I'm frankly ashamed of. So thank you, Rocket Money, for like fixing the shame glaze on my life. Uh, so stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation. Again, that's rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation. Rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation, you guys. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And we are back and we're going to launch into topic number two, which is a political hodgepodge. There's a few stuff we're going to, a few issues that we're going to talk about. Now, when it comes to the conflict in Gaza, everyone has feelings about it or they can't admit that they don't understand enough about it to have feelings about it. Um, Now, I'm happy to hear both of your general feelings about the the horror that's going on. Um, But we also, just to kind of anchor our conversation, read a piece in the Times called Dave Chappelle and the Perils of Button-Pushing Comedy. And in it, the writer reminds us that Chappelle um, did a bit after 9-11 where... um, you know, he pointed out that they that, you know, CNN or something had asked Ja Rule about his thoughts on 9-11. Where and, is Ja? <laughs> and, ja and, and, and Chappelle said something like, I want some answers that Ja Rule might not have right now. <laughs> and um, and and the, the piece makes a case that like basically um, that Ja Rule bit, you know, aged really well because social and this is from the, the piece. Social media has only amplified the opinions of the Ja Rules of the world. The algorithms that run our feeds are making sure you have Justin Bieber and Gigi Hadid to explain the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Now, every corporation in middle school seems to have um, its own foreign policy. And I guess, do you feel right now that we are experiencing the sort of jaw rulification of war punditry? Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, and that's just the nature of the beast. What with, I mean, because back in those days, like, there was no Twitter or whatever. So like Ja Rule had to actually like say something in front of a camera or whatever. But now like not only does everybody have their opinion, but there's this weird thing where like as comedians, no matter what your style is, there's a certain percentage of your fan base that like is waiting for you to say something. And if you don't, you'll get hit with that. Your silence on this issue is deafening or yeah, whatever. I, like, yeah, I know I, that I, I've gotten I, that. Yeah. There's there's also, and I think the jaw rulification is a really... That's a great uh, word. Yeah, it's, <laughs> that's a terrific way to the describe... The of war punditry. Yeah, because it's a, it's, a tr- it's a very hilarious way to describe a very horrific thing that is happening right yeah. now in which social media is a tool and instrument of warfare right now. And I can't stress this enough. The disinformation and misinformation is unprecedented. And Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to be hyperbolic. I'm trying to say that the majority of kids right now get get their news and information from TikTok. Right. That is being uh, pushed. And and I will say that TikTok, uh, kids who get their information from TikTok are very anti-Israel and pro-Palestinian. There's it's not a two sides thing. It is very one sided. If if the, uh, for younger generations, primarily because forces that have their own agenda are are pushing it, it's like eight thousand to one in terms of the accounts and what the algorithm pushes out. Um, we know that the owner of X uh, is not to be trusted. We can't trust Facebook, um, even and and the media itself uses social media to drive their news cycles now. Click, click, so click. It, yeah. So it's not something that's separated. You know, the New York Times runs with things. So so people uh, that are uh, masters of disinformation and, and misinformation right now are in control of how we get our information at all. And, and I just, you know, I think that that's, you know, we talk about the temperature rising and, and bringing it down. I think the first thing we have to do, this is, you know, you said this is a very emotional issue, and it is. It, it is actually more complicated than also people want to make it. Um, but day by day, you just see the horror of this exact day, 
without any of the additional context of it. And it can be discouraging and it can also be uh, make you angry. And I think people need to take a step back, especially in this country, and say, am I being driven to anger? Is this meant to cause a reaction in me that whether what that that is putting me to do something that is negative into this world right now or is this spurring me on to do to do something positive and i think that that's really where we need to take stock in terms of how social media and the jar rulification comes into play here yeah i mean it's it's such a an insane hot button issue that you know complicated doesn't even begin to describe it because it's one of the few hot button world issues that like has divided people who normally agree with each other on yes, everything. Yeah. Like, like usually when something happens, if you're a little confused on where you should stand, you can go to like, here's the 10 political pundits that I normally go, yeah, I think they've got it right. And yep. then they're they're five on five on both sides. And you're like, and so like as, as a like liberal who wants to have the right take, you're like, oh shit, normally this is easy because like I usually just agree with what that person says, but that person is actually agreeing with my mom and they never agree on anything. And you then know? you have and then you have the additional, you know, very uncomfortable position of like an anti-Semite like Marjorie Taylor Greene suddenly right. becomes very pro-Israel. Yes. So on the surface, you're like, oh, well then I'm against that. But wait, yes. she's also anti-Semitic. And then and then I think the left really has to come to terms with um the, they, they, it's long been held that the, that a lot of the um, anti-Israel rhetoric was isolated and not anti-Semitic. But I think that you have to be careful. If like you're just badgering American Jews, right, who may or may not have anything to do with Israel, yeah, you're not being pro-Palestine and you're and you're not being anti-Israel. You're just being anti-Semitic, right? And I th- and I think that this is just another thing to turn down the temperature because you do have a, an imbalance here. Israel is a an established country with a military and a government and has to adhere to rules which currently they are not. Right. And we have to be honest about that that there that the overreaction um which was which was a known quantity because this is how Israel proceeds militarily with uh you know with an with uh, a bombing campaign right in against Hamas which is in a densely populated civilian area. So that is an is understood that, that this was going to happen. But Hamas is not a government. Right. Yes, they run Gaza, but they are a terrorist organization that has taken over that. That's why there was a blockade from Egypt and Israel. And this started with a terrorist attack. And we have to look at what comes after this, because at some point there is an after. And I think anyone who is promoting an a, an either or situation is not really is not really a voice that's helpful at the moment. I think the United States position, I think Joe Biden's position has been good, which is at the end of this there has to be a two-state solution. We have to get back to the table. You have Hamas, which is a terrorist organization which cannot stay in charge of Gaza. The Palestinian Authority and Mahmoud Abbas need to be brought back in and if that requires more support from the United States to help legitimize that, then that needs to happen. And they they need to go back to administering Gaza. The settlements in the West Bank need to end. You know, Netanyahu, who also doesn't believe in a two-state solution, he was an opponent to the Oslo Accords, you know, back in the 90s. He was a political opponent of Yitzhak Rabin. So you have two sides right now who who are enmeshed in this, uh, who who you don't believe been, in a two-state who solution. Who don't believe in a two-state solution. Right. And Which that's is like the kind only solution. Of, it's kind of the only solution. You know what I mean, folks? It's like we have to, it's like there's these two groups of people inextricably linked. They're, that's you know, right. and they both, it, they both can get what they want. And it's called a solution. And we need to like come back to the table. Why aren't we and at I the table? And I think it's very telling that when the president of the United States, Joe Biden, went over to Israel, he was treated as the leader of that country because their leader had failed them. Yeah, I think there's something really interesting, Corey. You mentioned like our, you know, there's people that normally agree that aren't agreeing and it's weird. And there's and it is a really it is a complex issue. It is a complex issue, but there's also a simple concept at the heart of it. I think when it comes to when it comes to the jolly rulification and it, when it comes to reading your your in, your Instagram uh, feed and feeling really annoyed by everybody, 
the simple concept, and this is something that I learned as a as a young child in a in the Iran Iraq war, a war that nobody gave a shit about or whatever in the way that they care about this one. Uh, but it, during that war, um, like I, you know, I my, I saw my family and friends or whatever be like we fucking hate the islamic republic and but mm-hmm. we're also in a war like you mm-hmm. know what i mean and you have to be able to hold those two things in your head and like that's yes. and people do it all the time you know what i mean it's like not that big. i mean that to me is simple and i think we're looking at two different groups of people palestinians who are like uh fucking hamas is a terrorist organization organization and they suck and israelis who also uh, might be like Bibi Netanyahu is not great, uh, you know. And but so it's like it's okay to like have, have those things. He's a very Trumpy-like leader right now. Yeah, and you know, a part of the reason. Look, he oversaw. This is the worst attack, uh, terrorist attack that Israel's ever encountered in their seventy-five years. And his whole shtick was, "I'm the only guy that can keep you safe." Yeah. You know, but instead, he put all his efforts into overhauling the judiciary, which no one there asked for. He split his country. His country was distracted because 70% of his population was anti the political movements he was making, including a number of people in his own military. And so that, you know, but like you said, now they're, now they're at war. And the one thing we have to be careful with is when this war is over, that's the end of his political career. So as an ally, because Israel is the United States' ally, we have to be the adult in the room here and say, hey, you can't draw this out for an extended period of time to save your political career. Your your country and the, the stability of that region and, depends on, the, yeah. and the lives of innocent Palestinians depend on us bringing a peaceful resolution to this. And so this is the United States' opportunity to step up on the world stage and and be the world leader that we can be. Uh, beautiful, Benari. Um, and now, uh, folks, let me know what you think. I I also, Corey, I've gotten messages being like, "What are your thoughts?" And like, you haven't said anything or whatever, and and your silence is deafening and all that stuff. And I and I don't want to say something on social media because it gets it's that one line of me saying something on social media is just not sufficient. You know what I mean? Right. And so and I who am knows like the context, like yeah. and I, I think and. And this is not me trying to play the smallest fiddle for myself and play a victim here, but with my accent, um, <laughs> I need I need I say more. But with my accent, like if I if I start talking about if I start talking some anti-Zionist stuff, there's going to be people that just hear my accent and go, "He's being anti-Semitic." You know what I'm saying? Yeah. For the record, obviously, it's wrong to judge someone that way, but I get it because if you're a Jewish person in America. You've been conditioned to white man screaming, sounding like this, maybe not having good thoughts about you and your people. Do you know what I'm saying? But, you know, so I don't fucking. And also, I'm wholly unqualified for it. Like, I'm barely qualified to speak on the things that I do speak on. But, like, at least it's things like that happen in my region right, that I right. have you some. You feel a little so, like, bit more that, authority on are, it. Yeah. Yes. Though the, I try, I really do my best to only, like, speak out when I'm like, this is coming from a place where you have personal experience with this issue or it happens in your region and you know enough people to where you can form an opinion and maybe your opinion needs to be heard. I don't know if this is it because like I said, if I say one thing, it's going to sound anti-Semitic, but then if I say the complete other thing, it's going to sound like I'm pro-genocide and I'm neither of those things. (laughs) I'm neither of those things at all. I do think it's possible to have the opinion what the state of Israel doing is doing is bad. Also, terrorism is not good either. Yeah. <laughs> That's, and you also know. just like negotiation and get, getting to the table and talking it out and figuring it out are like always good. Diplomacy is always good. You, you Thank know. you for saying diplomacy because I do, I do want to throw one thing out there. And this is, I think, goes to the jaw rulification of social media. <laughs> you can't say that enough for me. I love, <laughs> I, 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 I love this. This is my new favorite term. And I'm so glad you found an in, Nagin, because there are flashpoint words that have been used that aren't necessarily accurate, but you can't be that guy and say, so again, you know, using the term like genocide or something, 
you don't want to be the guy on social media, or you don't want to be the guy in life being like, well, actually, it's only genocide if it's in the sparkling region of France. Like, <laughs> you, can't, yeah, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, you're quibbling over war crimes right. here, right? Yeah. Right. But there is an intent there, and I just want to be careful to start, you know, to say that, like, we can, when when we say, like tone, like, tone down the temperature, if you accuse, like, a country that is a legitimate country that's fighting... A, a terrorist organization whose stated goal is the eradication of your people, which is actually genocide, mm-hmm. and then accuse also the other government of doing genocide in response to that, there's no winning because now we both sides the issue. And and I think one of the steps that we have to take is the diplomatic route. And it doesn't feel great because we're talking about real innocent human lives. And we're, we're also talking about, you know, not engaging in escalation, Right. Because as the as the, as because it's not just it's not just a heated political talk. There are people who are dying, and children who are dying, and it doesn't need to happen. And whatever whatever the past was is not working. And I and I and I think about we're we're just after Yom Kippur, and we talk a lot about forgiveness. And it's not just for us; it's also for people who've done harm to us. And I think forgiveness and and diplomacy have to be the move and humanity seeing the humanity in each other is the only way forward otherwise we're in this cycle forever using the same uh, accusatory uh, jargon back and forth with each other that will not solve the issue yeah and will just put people make them more entrenched in their own camp in their own echo chamber which is not helpful and we've seen the destruction that that can cause so if there's any if there's any way to move forward, I think it has to be with humanity and and with <laughs> with a certain level of, um, you know, ex- uh, of accepting that we have to move on past this, that whatever happened before, we need to find a way to move beyond this for a better future for everyone. Um, Ab- yeah, here, here, Benari. Let's move on to a much dumber subject, which is the Republican <laughs> primary. <laughs> Um, a the, great place for a first date, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, folks, Mike's, Mike Pence, I know this is really sad for all of you, um, is out of the race. He dropped out. Oh, word? Yeah, Mike, no more Mike Pence. Um, Nikki Haley is, is, is inching up uh, and maybe going to be a viable uh, competitor to... Ron DeSantis, but not to Trump. Trump still beats all of them. But there is, I mean, there is a world where Nikki Haley could do some leapfrogging. I don't know. But in in Iowa, she's looking pretty good. Um, And then here's the third piece of news. Some dude named Dean Phillips is running, is doing a primary challenge against Biden, which is hilarious. He has (laughs) no name ID in among Fake the Nation hosts. Um, so... <laughs> He's pulling at zero percent on Fake the Nation at the moment. <laughs> so, um, any general thoughts on um, on on how on Nikki Haley or Dean Phillips or Mike Pence? One, well, one my, one on Mike Pence, which is like I'm pretty sure this is the first time in my lifetime that a former vice president didn't even have a remote shot in hell to it's insane. Like, cause used to, it was like, remember when I was a kid, it was like given like, well, the vice president will run and oftentimes he wins, you know, like that, that's how that happens a lot. And like, you know, Gore obviously had a, not only had a good shot, technically kind of probably won, but uh, (laughs) like, you know, obviously Biden's here, like Cheney never made the run at it, but I have zero doubt that he could have at least pulled very high, but like, dude, Mike, but he had already spent eight years being president. president. Yeah. Oh, we all know why he didn't do it. I'm just saying the guy definitely could have George, you know, HW Bush, but Mike Pence, like, and obviously a lot of it had to do with like how he divided the Trump supporters in the wake of January 6th or whatever. But he's also just like such a criminally boring son of a bitch. And then on Nikki Haley and this Dean Phillips feller, people who donate to these people's campaigns, they, substantial amounts of money. How are they smart enough to have made those substantial amounts of money, but dumb enough not to realize I have just thrown this in the trash and lit it on fire? Well, I think because that, uh, because it's already on fire. 
So right. it's, hard, it's hard to know how much trash you're now. You're just feeding the, you know, you're fueling the flames at this point. Um, it's this just is, a fireplace that they keep going. It's, it's actually quite fire. cozy. <laughs> yeah, it's quite cozy, but the stench is unbearable because it's just like burning rubber yes. and fucking uh, plastic, uh, dangerous substances. Because, but I think all of like the toxins it's giving off alone, but this is a race to see who tr- like they're all performing for Donald Trump. This is not this is not a presidential primary. This right. is a, this is these are audition tapes for who Donald Trump is going to pick because he is not only far and away the nominee for the Republican uh you know party, he is the only candidate that they have I mean in in reality, he doesn't even have to do any of this because it's a given. And when you look at any of the support, these are all Trump supporters. That's not even a Republican party. It's the party of Trump masquerading as the party formerly known. Wait, so you're as saying, the are you saying party. that these people are trying to are are auditioning to be VP? Yeah, um, that actually one, makes a lot of sense. I, I sort of feel like I I see that obviously Vivek Ramaswamy is 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 literally like auditioning to be VP with his just fawning. Um, fawning over the over Trump like in on the debate stage or whatever but I think Nikki Haley feels like something of an actual human being to me and and I and obviously Chris Christie is just a he's just out there to like talk to talk shit about Trump he's not trying to be VP but glad he's there though yeah I'm glad he's there too but I feel like Nikki Haley is like an actual candidate yeah and and in and in 2012 she would be a front runner, but there it's not go. 2012. Right. Like the, the normal rules no longer apply. I mean, where's her constituency or, or more accurately, where's her Republican fan base? Like who's right. voting for her in I'm that primary? I'm going to say the people that are, that vote for like Joe Manchin in West Virginia, I could picture them voting for Nikki Haley. Okay. And but some those, of those people didn't vote conservative for Democrats. The, I was going to say, but like those aren't, those aren't necessarily the primary voters. Right, 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 right. They're not the fire breathing. Like They're not the fire yeah. breathing. They're not yeah. the fire breathers. And so, you know, I think we have to be real. You know, we're that system is broken. <laughs> I don't know what else to say about about that. It's definitely broken on the Republican side. It, it, oh. it, yeah. Look, if we're if we're playing fantasy football here and I get to draft. <laughs> yeah, please. I, draft, I, I would love I to, to. Yeah. Yeah. If I get to draft a scenario, I would love it if the Republicans were forced to have to choose a woman over an old white man because they can't do it. Like if she runs against Biden now and for the record. This is me saying this. I'm not insanely thrilled to, to have Biden again. I wish that we had a young Obama-esque type that could lead yes. us like, but if it if it's between Biden and Trump's Republican Party, I take Biden all day. So like, dude, please let it be right. Nikki Haley because they, they're not going to vote for her. They just won't go. They can't get excited to do that. But they don't even have a platform. You know, right. they, they, they don't have a platform anymore. There's nothing to run for or on. Yeah. So so, so this is like such a, this is such a going through the motions you know, it just it, it really is um, disturbing to see so many people uh, who are supposedly serious people analyze mm-hmm. this as if any of them have a shot in hell. Right. They know they know what has happened here. This is a cult. This is cult like behavior. And their their number one guy is at, we're up to how many indictments? He can't even. He can't be on the campaign trail. He's got to fit in speeches in between his ongoing trials. Numeral yeah, I think criminal he's going to actually be be speaking right next week at a, at one of the trials. I truly have lost track, but I think it's the New York <laughs> one. And next week, and I think Donnie Junes is going to be um, speaking. Yeah. And I think Ivanka also might have to go do a thing. And by the way, he can, if he goes to jail, he can still be elected president. Right. Right. Which I think is a way. Which is and I don't know how the timing of this will work out with the primary schedule. But let's say he loses one of these cases or whatever, and it's a significant enough punishment, whatever the, you know, I can then I can see voters being like, all right, guys, like he's but a convicted Republican criminal. Voters. The, the question will be, is that enough for Republican voters 
to finally turn on him? It's a it, that's the big question. Yeah, that's the big question. Who knows? I know plenty of of Republicans who have since lost favor in Trump. Like they voted for him the first time, and then the second time they didn't vote for Biden. They just didn't vote, and now they see this as this guy is actively hurting our party. He needs to go away. However. I know an equal amount of people who the fact that he might go to jail is emboldening them even more because right. it turns him into Jesse James to these people. Right. Like he is, you know what I mean? Like they're looking at him as a John Dillinger type. Like they know they know this is all wrong. And like, right. hey, look at him. He's basically like he's becoming the Christ figure that yeah. they've all made him out to be. And this is his cross to bear for our sins. It's literally the demagogue that mm -hmm. the the founders warned us against in a democracy it's you know it's what they talk about is like just be careful about like fast talking you know con men who come and sell you a bill of goods and become a cult of personality because right. you know they can easily take over the democracy uh and then you're in you know uh you're in a dictatorship <laughs> you're in an autocratic uh, rule and the republicans are happy to go with that because they love their daddy you know, they love their big daddy who's just like in a, you know, and, and the more you hate them, the more they love it. And you do have Republicans who are like Adam Kinzinger. But guess who's not in pow elected power anymore? Adam Kinzinger. Like the ones who are sane and reasonable are being forced out. They're not just being forced out of their party. They're being forced out of government by their party. Right. And so that's that's the trend we should really be looking at, in in my opinion, and, and saying like, not just like what the hell's wrong with the Republican Party, but like what is the Republican Party? Right. I mean, that is what is the Republican Party? <laughs> hey, okay, well, we'll leave it right there on a question that nobody can answer. Um, and let us move on to our final topic, topic number three. So there is a list of the most promiscuous countries in Amer in the world. And I stopped fucking for just one second to peruse that list. And <laughs> before reading it, um, I want my my question for you guys is like, before you looked at the list, did you think that America would be in the top 10 or not of the most promiscuous countries? Yeah, I would say, yeah, top 10, maybe just because we're such a melting pot and thus have a bunch of other cultures. So like the other top nine live here as well and have like, you know, influenced us. Um, but I definitely feel like a European country would have to be number one. Yeah, I just thought numbers wise, we'd 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 be up there, uh, you know, like because of the melting pot. But yeah, I was I was actually a little bummed to find out that we were still. Oh, so... I didn't look at the list. Oh, oh yeah. You don't, OK, so <laughs> I yeah, so you should be bummed. We are not in the top 10. The oh, winner wow. of the list is Australia. I knew um, it. I fucking knew it. Because, <laughs> dude, Australia is just horny, stupid America. And I love them so much. They're the rednecks of that side of the world. God um, bless them. They, they have the second most sexual partners after Turkey. They have an average, but well, by the way, Turkey. I gotta say, the that's the most surprising partners. thing to me is that Turkey is Absolutely. just getting down. Like what? It. I've been to Turkey, did not feel sexual vibes in the air. They, no. <laughs> but in Australia, they have an average of thirteen point three sexual partners. Um, and eighty-one percent of Australians said that it's either morally acceptable or not at all a moral issue to be. Um, to have premarital sex, so they're totally into premarital sex, which felt like an actually just felt like an old school question. I was like, oh, was this survey right. conducted in 1980? Like, <laughs> who? What are we in Alabama? Um, also, there's an interesting factor to consider with Australia is that prostitution is legal in Australia, which I actually didn't realize. Um, and so that might, you know, just generally have something to do with it. Although this is the other thing that's interesting about Australia. Um, and I don't know, Corey, if they are, if they will continue to be the red decks of that part of the world with this statistics, they have an, their overall STD rate was on the lower end of the spectrum. Now, mm. I don't know where rednecks are on the STD rate. We're rednecks uh, on STDs. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Here's We're the, rednecks here's on the STDs. Thing. In, uh, but here's the thing. Here's why Australia is rednecks. In order to know you have an STD, you have to go get it checked out. And rednecks do not do that. All right. So your statistics are lopsided. There's plenty of people in Australia running around with gonorrhea that just have no idea. And it's probably especially worse because, as we know, in Australia, when you have sex, your penis actually goes counterclockwise. It goes the other way. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. You jizz inward. 
Um, yeah, let's that's right. See, the the and, uh, and the woman on top is missionary in Australia. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and um, she's holding a kookaburra on her head <laughs> <laughs> and playing a didgeridoo. <laughs> this is the it's most fantastic. This is the most shock jock radio segment that I've this ever just had became, on the show. This just became the morning show. Hey, let's go to the guy in the box. He's literally in a box right now. Whoa, hey. There we go. Good day, mate. Throw this shrimp on the box. Okay, I want to point out. I want to point out a really obvious name from the list of the country on the list, and a really non-obvious one. An obvious one at number two, Brazil. That feels so right to me. Brazil, a thousand percent. I mean, yeah. yeah. Um, I I thought them or Spain would be number one. Frankly, now I want to say, like Rio de Janeiro alone. Alone. Uh There's just right? hot. Probably, when you're in Brazil, yeah. you're just struck with hotness and g-strings, and it's like incredible. We name yeah. shaving our privates after Brazil, you know. So, mm-hmm. like, That's of so course, true. That's true. Yeah, and you never forget. Um, the the <laughs> sorry. Um, the uh, okay. A big surprise to me was that on this top, this list has 45 countries on it. France is not ranked in the top forty-five of promotions. Uh, wow. I knew, I knew we would, I knew you would bring it back around to Nagin and Paris. I, I mean, knew that we'd come back to France. <laughs> like, no, no offense. I did a bunch of smooching in France. I don't know who that yeah. would be an offense to, but no offense. I did a lot of smooching in Paris, and I cannot believe that everyone is not smooching in Paris. That entire city is literally designed. You wrecked them, Nagin. You wrecked them. I don't know if you. I don't know if you know this, but um, in France, this is true. The uh, wine consumption has actually been steadily going down since 1920. People are less drunk in France all the time now. The fact that there's a. Oh, we did. Uh, uh, and on Fake the Nation, we did a segment on it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you, was you I on was I on it? <laughs> yes, we talked about the decline in sale. Of course, we did a segment on French of wine. Course. Obviously, needless yeah. to say. Um, yeah. But yes, yeah, so they've been sed- steadily declining. They're less drunk. Less drunk, and is all oh, these women are stinky. You know, like I don't know. It's just a it's a wild culture over there. That's also, my best French. I think there's probably like the French snootiness of like, oh, everyone thinks all we do is fuck. Like, right. and they so like just to prove a point, they won't. Oh yeah, no, right. wait, you guys. <laughs> France is number twenty-five. What am I talking about? France is number twenty-five. That's the That's me being sick low. talking. It's still low. It's out of the top twenty, man. That's crazy. Out of the top twenty. For being the place that is like the stereotypical, like menage a trois, fucking—I yeah, mean, that's right. their word. It's this. Isn't French the language of love? Like, yes, you know. So French kissing, all all this stuff, like Pepe yeah. Le Pew for the love of God. French fries, all the good stuff that goes Everything. in your mouth is from France. Yeah. Now here's another interesting one. Um, <laughs> India is number forty-five. And I just want to say, for as as good as they are increasing their population size, you'd think that would also just be there would be a lot of uh, boning involved in that. Yeah, but they're still they're pretty big on arranged marriages, still correct. Yeah, I've got yeah. an Indian buddy who he's fought his parents tooth and nail on it for years at you know at their disgust. So I mean, it's probably a little hard to be promiscuous when you have to get a permission slip. You yeah, know, I yeah, would say. Yeah. And I think some of these, you know, I think there's probably an efficiency there, right? Like it's for this purpose, and then I spend my I spend the rest of my time doing these other things. So. I think there's like an, an efficiency to the sex. There's a purpose to it. Um, again, I come back to the USA, not to be like so American centric, but like we got to we got to fucking up our game here, man. That's right. Like, up why, them numbers like, up. What are, now, get our numbers up, man. For the, for the record, um, Corey, since you didn't look at the list, what number do you think we are? I'm just a little guessing. So game you said we're Corey. not we're not in the top ten. We're you said correct. 10. Oh God, uh, I'm gonna say. See, Paris was or France was what? Twenty five. 25. Okay, I'm going to wild card it and say that we somehow beat France and we're number 24. Very close. We're number 15. We did beat France. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, so USA. 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
And by the way, I'm sure the state of Indiana really screwed up our stats in that one. Oh, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Just Mike Pence alone screwed up our stats. I yeah. think we probably could have made it to the top 10 if it wasn't for him. We made it in the top, yeah, we made it to the top 15 on Florida alone, the Australia <laughs> of America. I think I think in the in the in the wake of uh, the the horrific uh, Dobbs decision, this is actually a great talking point for us. It'd be like, look at this. You've knocked us out of the like these right-wingers have knocked us out of the top 10 that's right <laughs> like we got to get back in there and the first thing is 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 codifying row right like first, that's- first- <laughs> <laughs> um yeah first first order of business codify row second order of business can we also increase our math testing scores just like- <laughs> <laughs> that's right both are related and and there's a fun way to do that and that involves promiscuity yeah, in Alabama, if you get 100 on your math test, you get to fuck your cousin. There you go. Two oh, and boy. one. Right there. I can say it. I'm from Georgia. <laughs> oh, folks, um, now that we've talked about all of these countries and their um, sexual proclivities, I want to hear um, <laughs> what your goal, sex goals are for America. <laughs> And, um, um, and well, that's great because you can find me on uh, at Benari Lee <laughs> on Instagram <laughs> at Blue Sky on X. Yeah. <laughs> Folks, um, that is the end of the show. And I would love for you to follow um, uh, these two fabulous panelists and all the things that they do. Benari Lee, Poulton, where do they do that? Yeah, at Benari Lee. And again, you know, let's get those numbers up, people. Go USA. Corey, Ryan Forrester, where do they get you? Uh, I'm at Corey R. Forrester on uh, all of the socials, but also please subscribe to my Substack. You can go to bonuscorey.com. I just finished my first audio drama called Colonel Cornbread in the Case of the Confederate Ruby, and uh, it was a blast. So you can do that for $5 a month, uh, which, as we learned, I believe is 29 fortune cookies uh, per Nagin's math. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Folks, you know where to find me all things I do. I'm going to be in Philadelphia. I'm going to be in uh, D.C. um, at the Anthem, actually, in in D.C. And then in Philly, I don't remember the name of the venue, but it's with the Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me stand-up tour, so you guys should go see that. That's next weekend. Um, I'm also going to be in Reston, Virginia, but I believe that show is sold out, so double-check. And um, I'm going to be going back to Chicago. So for for Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. So I'll let you know when that gets a little bit closer. And just a quick reminder, the Golden Bachelor recap will not be coming out on Friday as per usual, but it will be coming out on Monday, November 6th. So get ready for some delightful Golden Bachelor recaps um, coming out on Monday, November 6th. Um, And um, otherwise, you know where to find all of my things. And I want to thank everyone who makes the show possibility. That's our wonderful producer, Andrew McGuire. Thanks to everyone at HeadGum. Thanks to our fantastic theme music by Gobby Alter. You can reach us at FakeTheNationPodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to go to patreon.com slash Nagin to support the show. And we will be back in your earballs next week. That was a HeadGum Podcast.